Welcome to another episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. I am so happy that you are here. Today, I've got a wonderful interview for you with the incredible Sammy Wynn. Now, she is an award-winning integrative mindfulness and mindset practitioner, children's mindfulness teacher, and founder of The Still Space. Sammy is especially dedicated to the well-being of children, teens, and families, creating trustworthy environments where individuals, couples, and groups can safely explore both individual emotions and interpersonal relationships. Now, in this chat today, she really breaks it down for us how we can incorporate mindfulness and even some meditation techniques when there is ADHD present, because often people with ADHD have a limiting belief that they cannot um, do meditation and mindfulness. And Sammy has a really lovely way of giving us some practical tools to incorporate those things without us having to sit still or dedicate massive big chunks of time. Now, we know how important these things are for our mental health, and she's going to help us introduce these into our lives um, without all the pressure that we often put on ourselves um, for when it comes to these mindfulness practices. Let's get to it. Hello, I'm Sharon Collin and you are listening to the ADHD Families Podcast. I am a mum of three beautiful boys with ADHD. I love being a mum, but my home life was absolute chaos and the stress of daily life had a terrible effect on my health. My husband had so many horror-filled stories of growing up with ADHD that I decided I wanted to change the experience for my little boys. So I got to work and I systematically changed and streamlined my family's lives to suit the ADHD brain. And now that I have my family on track, I want to help yours. Do you want a life with your beautiful kids that is more functional, fun, and full of joy? Let's explore together the wonderful and sometimes wacky world of raising kids with ADHD. Welcome, Sammy. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Hi, Sharon. I'm so, so grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I think that what you're going to tell us and some of the tools that you're going to equip us with is really going to help our beautiful audience. Now, tell me and tell the beautiful listeners at home a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so uh, my name is Sammy. I'm an integrative mindfulness and mindset practitioner, and I am a children's mindfulness teacher. Um, so I teach mindfulness um, to people at all ages, at all stages in life, um, and I bring mindfulness to them in really practical, easy and achievable ways so they can cultivate this in their life and, and experience the amazing benefits that we can all receive from having mindfulness in our lives. Amazing. Now, tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah, well, it's actually quite a big story, <laughs> but I will try and keep it simple. So I've always had, you know, been someone that's really resonated with, you know, meditation and mindfulness and, and a bit of spirituality in my life. Um, but my career really started in, I was a marketing consultant for a top financial services firm. And through that, I experienced mental and emotional burnout from that career, just that fast pace, that high pressure. Um, so I left that career. Um, I went to work with my sister for a little bit. And within that time, unfortunately, lost my dad really unexpectedly. Um, he wasn't well, just, um, yeah, passed away suddenly. Um, and when that happened, I really assessed my life and it really made me think, you know, that I wanted to start living my passion and purpose and 
life was too short to not do something that really lit me up every single day. Um, so I went on to do all my training um, in mindfulness and meditation and I specialized um, in obviously teaching for children. And yeah, and then I started my business and, and that is, yeah, taken me to where I am today, which is really amazing. So thinking about people with ADHD, what would they come to you for? Um, a lot of, I have a lot of ADHD um, clients that come to me just to find a little bit of mental peace in their day and also just to be able to give their body a chance to feel some relaxation. So often they're coming to just find out a way to bring that into their everyday life and to help them just kind of take things down a, a little bit of a level um, for them in their everyday life. Um, I see a lot of children that come into my Mindful Minis program. Um, so for children that come into that, it's parents are wanting them to have just a space where they can be their full unique self um, first and foremost and feel really safe and welcome um, in the environment. Um, so it gives them a space to do that and to yeah, explore different aspects of themselves, creativity, but also know that they can access mindfulness in their life. And I've seen this time and time again with both children and adults with ADHD. They walk through that studio door and they might have this perception that there's no way that, you know, they could slow things down or have stillness. Um, and throughout our work together, it's just so beautiful to see this change that they go through. Um, when they really do discover that this is something that can be accessible for them. So it's really empowering. Oh, I love this so much. And it's something that, you know, I come across as well. It's this limiting belief that we can't slow down or that we can't uh, meditate. But we have this perception that meditation is like sitting with our hands, like I'm doing the meditation hands for those listening, yes. um, you know, in a rainforest for 30 minutes. And that is not really that practical for a lot of us. So tell me a little bit about how you would break it down for someone with ADHD. Yeah, so I'm so glad that you said that because I think this is one of the biggest myths of meditation. The two biggest myths that I find that really create that block for people is that they have to sit still and that they have to stop thinking. Now, those two things are extraordinarily hard. <laughs> and if we set that expectation for ourselves, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. So the first thing that I say to my clients, firstly, is it's okay to think in meditation. It's completely normal and it's to be expected. So first of all, setting that benchmark. Um, and the other thing is that, especially someone who has ADHD, I like to include some gentle movement into the practice so they don't feel they've got to sit there and and feel uncomfortable with trying to force their body to sit in stillness. Um, and then beyond that, I really start really slow. So there's a beautiful technique that I teach, uh, which is a grounding technique. And this is all about connecting to the five senses. So looking around and noticing the room we're in, you know, and having said that, you don't even have to meditate with your eyes closed. So that's another thing I want to mention. So, you know, looking around the room, looking where we are, you know, can we feel our body seated in the chair? Can we just notice the texture of that and the feeling of that? What can we smell? And, and just really connecting to our external environment. Um, and in that, it is so grounding and centering for the nervous system, really settles things down. So that is where I start. And we can even break that up even more. So we could just start, let's just start with touch. You know, for someone who has ADHD, touch is really uh, beneficial to connect to. 
Um, and whether in meditation that's, you know, one thing I like to teach is, you know, tapping fingers together, you know, just closing eyes and tapping fingers together and focusing on that feeling of touch is really soothing and supportive. So it's about breaking it down. It's about letting go of expectation of stillness and silence um, and really removing all of that so that we can work together for what works for the individual and everybody's different. Um, so it's just really tapping into what feels safe and right for their body in that moment as well. Oh, I, I yeah, really resonate with what you said. I think it makes it much more achievable for people, you know, if they've got something, you know, if they know that they can move or they can do the finger tapping thing and just bring it down a couple of notches. It's not about being, you know, serene like all the time it's about having little moments of the of bringing our you know um awareness to being a little yeah. bit calmer absolutely uh, and, yeah. I, and that's what i say to clients you know when i really teach meditation you know it's for most of us in our everyday busy lives it's really unrealistic to expect that we can sit down and meditate for half an hour a day or even 20 minutes sometimes can feel too much in a busy day so I always say to my clients, you know, how can we engage with those, I call them mindful moments in our day. How can we take those two minutes, pockets of time to give ourselves just that, that moment of mindfulness before we continue on with the rest of our day? So it's not so much about having a dedicated long practice, which can feel really unachievable. It's about taking those two minutes of mindful moments throughout your day that when they accumulate, you may have found you've done 20 minutes. It's just that you don't have that expectation that's got to be all in one go just to sit there. I think we all underestimate the power of it as well because I know as a mum myself, you know, and I'm very prone to burnout and a lot of your beautiful community would be as well, um, that we bring a certain rushing energy and this can be really flustering for the ADHD brain. And people with ADHD absolutely do this as well. Um, so we bring this rushing energy, like, come on, we've got to get out of the house, we've got to get out of the door, we've got to blah, 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 blah. And when we do that, the ADHD brain just goes dunk and it just, like, freezes. <laughs> it either goes into fight or flight. Um, it's, quite, um, it's quite hard to move them out of that uh, once we've bought that rushing energy. And as a parent who's trying to get out of the door on time, um, I, I catch myself doing it all the time and I have to I have to consciously slow it down to stop myself bringing the rushing energy so I can get the boys back in the head space to be able to go on to the next step. So I love that you described those little pockets of calm because two minutes we can do because it ultimately means that we come out of rushing energy and then are able to get the task done faster because if I do it with rushing energy, the task is going to take 40 minutes. But if I do it without rushing energy, the task only takes a couple of minutes. So if I can center myself, it actually pays off. But how do we remember to do it in the heat of the moment? Yeah, it can be really challenging, definitely, like when we're rushing and when we're moving around. One thing that I would say is in that moment, if you just, you know, ultimately, if we can just feel a connection to our own body and we can feel that energy within us, especially as parents, right, because what we know from the research is that children will still co-regulate with us for, you know, when they're in the home with us, they will co-regulate with us. So as a parent, what I would say is when you're feeling that energy within yourself, you can pretty much guarantee that your children are feeling that too. And as soon as you feel that, it's just taking that moment immediately. 
not feeling like, okay, in five minutes I'm going to sit down and do it. It's, it's just really doing it in the moment. And that can be something as simple as, you know, just taking a breath, closing your eyes, just taking a few deep breaths. Or if the breath really isn't accessible to you, coming back to that sense of touch, as I said, is the most soothing for most people, um, especially ADHD and anxiety, which can often be linked to that mm. as well. So we want to go straight to that sense of touch. So just rubbing hands together in the moment, just creating pressure on our arms, you know, squeezing the arms. And you can even do this with the kids. It can even be like, okay, we're going to get out the door in a sec, but let's just all sit down for a minute and let's just, you know, rub, create warmth or pressure, you know, on the body or just feel yourself seated in a chair for a moment. Even that, just sit down and just feel the connection with the chair below you. So, you know, these small things that can take, 30 seconds to a minute that can just really, and as you mentioned, that fight or flight, you know, can really just take us out of feeling that. Um, so what I would say is start becoming aware of when your body is getting to that point. And that is all about noticing the sensations in your body. So it might be that you start to notice your shoulders get tense or your hands start to get tense or you've just got extra energy in your chest or tummy. As soon as you notice those signs, it's in the moment, just really take that moment to ground, you know, with the senses, like I mentioned, is something you can do really quickly in the moment. Don't wait for, you know, oh, I'll do that once I drop the kids off or I'll do that, you know, once I've done the next task, just take that moment straight away um, for yourself. I love, I love that. I, I think, um, do you associate like I've got, a, I've got a question about re- remembering. Mm. So would you encourage people to associate that regulating like or noticing that feeling with an action? Mm. Like I know, I know I've been told before, like every time you, every, that saying every time you stop at a red traffic light, you should do pelvic floor exercises. Terrible advice for, for someone like me. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have people that you associate a, an action with checking in? Yeah, that's a really great question. And actually, this is how I teach. If someone wants to start building a mindfulness practice into their day, that's how I actually start teaching it. So I firstly say to them, think about something you do every day, no matter where you are, even if you're on holidays, even if you're out of your home, out of your general environment, something you do every day. And so for me personally, that is I have my morning cup of tea. doesn't matter if I'm at home, I'm at a friend's, I'm out, I'm still going to have breakfast. So for me, breakfast is my time to check in. How am I feeling today? I'm going to just take a few deep breaths as I have my breakfast. I'm just going to check in. For me, that's when I incorporate a little bit of journaling, a little bit of reflection time. So it's really great to, those things in the day that you do every day repetitively are wonderful moments for check-ins and wonderful moments to incorporate your mindfulness. And this might sound a little bit funny, but even going to the toilet, each time you sit down on the toilet, close your eyes or even leave them open if you want and just look around the bathroom, take a few breaths or rub your hands together as you're on the toilet, you know, create that pressure, just give yourself a moment. Um, And they're practical things we do every day that can be that two minutes. So we're not having to find extra time Mm -hmm. just with breakfast, when you go to the toilet, when you brush your teeth at night, you know, they are all you know, things or parts of the day that you can incorporate some mindfulness and checking for yourself and how you're going. That is really great advice. 
Now, people with ADHD often have trouble recognizing the emotion in the moment. And I'm curious when they work with you, whether they, because they're slowing down and things that things often come up when we slow down, um, whether they're, you know, creates a bit of space for recognizing those emotions or naming them. Absolutely. Um, there's a really great, great quote that I love and it's called name it to tame it. Mm. And it's a beautiful quote and it is, you know, it's so true when we do slow down and you know, this is when we come out of that fight or flight, like you mentioned before, when we take the chance to slow down, we can actually start noticing what's going on inside our bodies. So what I really do with clients is I teach them emotional awareness through the body. Okay, because we know that that is the gateway to our sensory experience of emotions. So I teach them, you know, what's my body telling me? So maybe when I'm feeling tight in the chest, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. Maybe my heart rate's fast. Or maybe when I'm feeling frustrated, you know, I've got tingling in my hands. You know, starting to identify emotions through their sensory experience is really powerful. And the reason why we do this is because we will always be having a sensory experience before we have a logical one. So before we even go into the brain and our brain tells us that we're angry, our body's probably already told us the build up to that hours ago, <laughs> you know? So when I work with clients, I teach them what's the sensory experience of their emotions? What does that feel like for them? And then from that, we, I allow them to kind of explore what emotion that is for them. Because what I don't want to do is give them a label for an emotion. I really, and especially when I work with children, you know, I don't say to them, oh, are you angry or are you upset? I let them label for themselves what their body's telling them. And that's where it becomes empowering because they tune into their own body, into their own sensory experience to then for themselves develop their own emotional literacy and vocabulary um, for themselves and their own present experience, not what, They've been told that they're feeling. Love that. Love it. So tell me for, I'm thinking about the mum that might, or the parent that might be listening to this um, and they're feeling really burnt out. Uh, and it's not often like ADHD in itself is a dysregulated nervous system, right? Or a nervous system that plays by its own rules. But it's also the people that care for people with ADHD, even if they're neurotypical, often have dysregulated nervous systems and live in very much that um, fight or flight mode. Can you give us a few practical tools that we might be able to incorporate into our day? I know you've given us a lot of beautiful tips already. Just something that we can walk away with and try and see how it feels for us. Um, with a view to protecting us a little bit from that burnout or just bringing that nervous system down a couple of notches. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's so powerful, you know, to integrate this into our day. And I always say, you know, to my clients that it's really consistency rather than length of time that's key. So what I would recommend is for the first step is to start small. So I would recommend starting with, you can even start with as minimum of two minutes. Like it can be that small, any place that you feel that you can start. What I would suggest is set an alarm on your phone for the same time every day. So you can either use those cues that I mentioned before, like having your breakfast. But the other option is to set an alarm on your phone that goes off, say maybe 11 o'clock every day is a time that works for you. Set that time. And then when the alarm goes off, 
that's when you take your five minutes or two minutes of mindfulness. And then to do that, I usually say even set a timer. So the alarm goes off, then you know, okay, I've got my two minutes, set a timer on your phone for two minutes. And then when that goes off, move on with your day. So that's the first thing I would say is set an alarm to remind you because it's like anything new we start. It, it, it takes a little bit of time to build up the habit. And in the beginning, it's expected that you'll probably forget to do it. And that's absolutely fine. So the more that we can remind ourselves gently, you know, through an alarm, through some sort of other reminder is going to be really helpful. Uh, the second thing I would then say is just focus on two senses to start with. So coming back to that grounding technique, the reason why I start with grounding is because it provides a sense of external and internal safety. And when our nervous system is in a dysregulated state, that's ultimately because we don't have a sense of internal safety. Our body's saying to us, something's not right here, so I'm going to go into fight or flight or I'm going to go into freeze because you know, there's no, I'm not feeling safe internally. So grounding gives us a sense of safety for our nervous system. So what I would say is start with two senses that feel the most prominent or supportive for you. I would highly recommend touch. This is the most prominent sense. So I would start with touch and then maybe sight is a really good one. So you don't even have the pressure of having to close your eyes. So just when your alarm goes off, sit down, look around the room, you know, look at the colors, the furniture, the textures and shapes in the room. And then just create some sort of sensory experience of touch. Rubbing hands together, as I mentioned, you know, pressing your feet into the floor if you're seated or your bottom into the chair below you. Um, you can give yourself a hug, which is really beautiful. A self-hug is a lovely practice for a dysregulated nervous system. And then just start there um, and then do that for two weeks or even three weeks if you need to, like take it really slow. And then once you get maybe to the third week, then you can add some time onto your timer. So you might start with two minutes and then you might go up in intervals of two minutes. Then you might go from two to four and then do that for two weeks and get a sense of that. And as you increase time, just add another sense. So I'm going to start with what I can see and touch. And then when I increase my time, I'm going to then also add in what I can smell, you know, and we slowly as we go, uh, we increase that way. So that would probably be my um, practical way to get started without it feeling overwhelming um, and feeling just like another thing on your to-do list. Uh, if we start small, set practical reminders, um, that would be the approach that I recommend. Oh, yeah, I think that's really nice and just nice and easy. And if you, we forget a day, it doesn't matter. The whole thing isn't ruined. We just pick it back up. Exactly. It's it, You know, we're human beings and we have to give ourselves the grace, you know, that we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get things right. And we can just notice that too. Like that's also a beautiful opportunity for reflection. Like, oh, I, I missed it yesterday. I wonder what was going on yesterday morning. Was I feeling really busy and overwhelmed? Was I in that busy energy? You know, so, it, you know, the days we miss are also moments to just reflect on how we're going and how yesterday was for us. So, yeah, it's no pressure and just start again. Excellent. Now, one thing that you did mention that I just wanted to ask you about is you talked about in your morning routine journaling and journaling has always been something that's escaped me. Uh, so I'd love to know what, well, not what you write specifically, but what you, what you write in your journals. 
Yeah, so this is such a great question. Um, so I'm trained in journal therapy. So it's all about using journaling, specific journaling techniques as a therapeutic modality. So there's a whole, there's like over a hundred different techniques you use. There's so many that you can use, but um, something simple is one that we call springboards. And these are basically thought starters. So you might know them as journal prompts, might, might be a way that you've heard them. And they really just springboard us into our journaling if we don't know where to start. And they can be anything from, you know, today I feel, and then you just start writing. Um, yesterday, you know, it was a great day because, and then you just start reflecting. So little thought starters that really help you get started um, can be helpful. But yeah, sometimes it can just be automatic writing. So you can just sit down and write whatever comes to your mind. Um, a technique that I really love, if you do find the written word a bit challenging, depending on your journey and where you're at, some people don't really resonate with the written word. Um, so you can do visual journaling, um, which is really beautiful. And I do this a lot with children. So rather than writing down your feelings, you can draw your feelings, you know, so you can draw a picture of how your day was or how you felt. So it doesn't even have to be writing if that doesn't appeal to you. So, yeah, there's all different ways to integrate it. Um, but that's what I would say. And if you want to start journaling, just, yeah, you can just start, which is really fun. <laughs> oh, I know that's amazing. And you have a lovely way of making everything, like breaking it down to be quite simple, you know, and just taking some of that, you know, the, the expectations that we place. I don't even know where these things come from, these expectations that we place on ourselves that it has to be, um, you know, for a long use of time or like the journaling has to be like pages or, you know, like we, I don't know where these expectations come from that we place on ourselves. Yeah, just this sense of, yeah, you're right, you know, that it has to be this striving or this big thing or take up our time. And, and unfortunately, I think, it, you know, especially with meditation, it is out there that, you know, it's the, you've got to sit still and it's got to be this half an hour practice to be worthwhile and and that is so not the case, you know, even two minutes a day to just to check in with yourself, whether that's through mindfulness or journaling, to actually just give yourself space to ask the question, how am I feeling? You know, because especially as parents, we're so used to looking after everybody else's needs that, you know, when was the last time you, you asked yourself how you were feeling? And for most mm. of us, that would not have been recently, um, you know, with, with how stressed and busy we are. So you know, these little mindful moments to just check in and ask that question, you know, how am I feeling? And, you know, that can even be a beautiful practice. Place your hand on your heart and just, just ask, how am I feeling? And just let whatever arises be there. And, um, you know, it's so important that we have this space for ourselves because when our cup's full, it overflows and we can give it to everybody else, you know, but when we're depleted, everything just becomes so much more complicated. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for your wisdom that you have shared with us today. It's been so full of just, you know, those little practical tools that we can integrate into our life. I've loved chatting with you today. Yeah, it's been so fun. Thanks so much for having me. Now tell me before you go, how can people find you? Yeah, so um, my business name is The Steel Space. So you can even find me at just thesteelspace.com.au or I'm on Instagram at thesteelspaceau. And thank you so much, Sammy. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. If you loved it, please share it on your socials. I want this to start a conversation about ADHD. 
If you want to make this mum do a little happy dance, please leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to know more about what we do, check out thefunctionalfamily.com. I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you use it to create a wonderful, effective, joyful life with your beautiful children.